0: and i want to welcome you to another edition of all things theology all things theology exists to talk about all of christianity all things theology desires for christians to grow in every aspect of their walk so i hope that this podcast encourages you i want to thank those listening in on all podcast apps make sure you subscribe uh, share the link if this blesses you for those watching on youtube make sure you subscribe as well give this video a like and drop a comment uh, check out the show notes, um, so it'll, if there's additional information, it'll be there for you. This podcast is also a part of the Bar Network, where there's a lot of great po- podcasts out there, so please feel free to check that out. And if you have any questions, as always, you can email me at kdubtru at gmail.com. Well, I am very excited to have a guest, a, a friend of mine that we, we've we've interacted uh, I've been on her show um, Carrie Smith, how are you doing?
1: I'm good chris. How are you
0: I'm doing good it's It's a pleasure to have you uh to talk with you uh i just for the for the listeners out there, you have your own uh podcast, your own show. uh why don't you tell them about that?
1: Yeah, we do um a show called Unsafe Space, which we had the pleasure. Uh, that's how I met you. Was yes. having you on yes. for an interview, and uh, Unsafe Space is on. You can find us on YouTube for and uh, you know anywhere you listen to podcasts, like iTunes, or um, we're also on BitChute for videos. We did just get banned from Twitter yesterday,
0: yes, I
1: saw that. so we're no longer on Twitter for now. I don't know; they haven't told us actually anything about why we were banned or if it's permanent or not. So I, I have no idea if we'll be back there, but um, but you can find us at unsafespace.com if, if anybody wants to get more info. And we do um, we do a book club, which is kind of fun. We do, every month we pick a book that's, uh, we kind of alternate fiction and nonfiction. So this month we're doing Cynical Theories by, which I know you just got in the yes, mail. yes. Yeah, by James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose. So if people want to join us in reading that, they still have time.
0: So yeah. yes, I, I definitely encourage um, those who who like my content to go and subscribe to their to their uh, Carrie's uh, content. You'll be blessed. Um, they go they go deep into uh, critical issues of today, and so it'll I think it'll be very helpful if you do so. Um, you know, with in regards to your to your show, your program, you called it you call the show is called Deprogrammed, right? And and from what I understand. Is is that right?
1: We have, yeah. So one of the shows that we do on Unsafe Space is called Deprogrammed. And Deprogrammed is specifically about my old ideology, which uh, I most often call social justice ideology, so... Uh, we do long form interviews for that for that show where we get to talk to people about social justice and and um, its origins in academia, or talk to people like you about social justice sort of encroachment into Christianity. Um, and then we do other standalone interviews as well. So that's not the that's not the only show that we do. Okay. Um, and then it's for anyone. I know your show has a Christian focus. Our show is not a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a Christian podcast, but uh, I'm a pretty new Christian, and my co-host Carter is an atheist. So we—you'd um, be surprised, actually. We don't. We don't actually uh, spend a lot of time arguing about the existence of God or anything, because I feel like uh, we have so much in common outside of those important differences. We have so much in common that we uh, spend most of our time talking about culture. Um, uh, the the Values that we that we share, like in, a belief in individualism, for example, and uh, and we talk a lot about. You know, sometimes we have to talk about politics. Recently, we've been talking more about politics because right. of what's going on in the world.
0: Uh, understandably <laughs> so. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. you were in the social justice m- movement. Um, tell us about that. Like, what was that experience like? Um, yeah, just just uh, go in and tell your story about that.
1: Yeah. I um well let's see I was in it for about 20 years wow. and I know sometimes when people hear that I've seen uh some of the feedback I've gotten from from being willing to talk about it is uh some people who who say you must be really stupid to have been in it for that long and that's not true there's actually if you if you look at people especially now on the outside of it when I look at people who are in it if I am just assume that they're all uh, low IQ or or not very smart people, um, then I'm doing myself a disservice in in trying to have conversations with them and help them hear what it is I'm saying. There's a lot of incredibly smart people who buy into this belief system. There's a lot of incredibly smart people who join cults in general. I've been watching a lot of cult documentaries recently, and I just watched the one about Heaven's Gate, and those guys... Some of those guys were really intelligent. They were doing computer work. They were doing uh, website work back when that was relatively uncommon. They were doing that, you know, uh, in the 90s. And they – anyway, that documentary has been on my mind because I think if if people start to watch – Uh, documentaries like that it might help dispel some of the ideas that they have about why it is that people join cults or what kind of people join cults um but yeah so I was indoctrinated I went to Duke University and I was indoctrinated into it I would say um over two decades ago and when I say indoctrinated I just mean I was introduced to this this belief system through classes I took in women's studies. I took a, a lot of uh, critical race theory classes. I took queer theory classes, queer studies, and I didn't, I couldn't see it for what it was at the time. And, and obviously I couldn't see it for two decades, but uh, the way in which it was introduced to me was sort of, these are some new ideas and ways to look at race and sex and sexuality and how there's this sort of hidden system of oppression that works to marginalize certain people based on uh, immutable identity characteristics and to privilege other people. And that, you know, the best way to look at the world is as a struggle for power between these competing identity groups. Mm-hmm. And we need to redistribute the power mm-hmm. between these groups and then we'll reach some kind of equality. Yeah. That's sort of, that's a broad overview of what the, belief system is um and it it does have i know you and i i think talked about this briefly but it does have roots in marxism it's just it's different marxism was more about class Mm -hmm. marxism said that the best way to look at the world is as this struggle for wealth Mm -hmm. between class groups and we need to redistribute the wealth well this is kind of like mutated it's like they took marxism they dropped the stuff about class and wealth and they and they just made it about um identity and power
0: right yeah, definitely. Um so even even just pr- uh previously there, you you've been very vocal about your um leaving the social justice movement, uh kind of being woke. You've even called it a cult. Some somewhat actually why why would you call it a cult? What what makes this movement oh. a cult?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I I know some people also don't like that I use that word, but right. I I did my, I felt like I did my due diligence. I went through the cult characteristics. You can do, look over what are some comic common characteristics of cults. And it, it checks off a lot of the boxes. The one important one, I, I would say, or the one the obvious one that it, it does not check off is there's, there's not like one charismatic leader right. that you can point to. And I think that makes it, it sometimes it makes it harder to, uh, for people to identify it as a cult-like belief system, because they're looking like, where's, where's the Jim Jones? You know, right. where's the David <laughs> right. Koresh? let don't see that one figure. Right. right. Uh, but not every cult has all of the characteristics and that's one of the few it doesn't have. If you look at the other ones, um, it isolates you from people who do not share the belief system. It encourages you to cut off contact with people, even friends and family wow. who don't share your beliefs. Yeah. It, um, it discourages questions. You can't question the dogma, and it it has a whole system set up to uh, make you question your own sanity or make you question your own privilege. If you if you have a question, if you have a serious concern or disagreement with one of the tenets of the belief system, then you're sort of uh, uh, coached over time, or uh, maybe you could say brainwashed over time to. Think that that must be my privilege coming out. Yeah, that right. must be, uh, you know, something inherently wrong in me. That's that's uh, that's asking that question, and so it discourages you from from looking objectively at your own beliefs.
0: Yeah, um, yeah even you know, uh, I think it was put out that things like logic, objectivity, is like uh, roots of white supremacy and and racism itself. You know, what you're kind of getting at is like you can't even. You've already got to, You already have to accept the premise before you can even uh, deal with it. Otherwise, that's proof you are racism itself. Have you Have you dealt with that? Yeah. as Well.
1: Oh yeah. Well, that um, they definitely attack. I mean, I, I think I think this belief system is fundamentally opposed to individualism, to uh, the concepts of free speech and uh, discussion, debate, inquiry, and like you said, and logic. So, so they attack all these things. They attack logic. As being a tool of the patriarchy right. or a tool of supremacy, right. um, they attack. Th- the weird thing is that w- when they go after stuff like like logic or math or um, <laughs> uh, you know these tools of reason, when they go after right. reason, they have to. They, I think it's almost like they have to do it by attaching those things to identity groups that they've already. Um, Uh, encouraged you to think of as being bad. So that's the way they do it. Otherwise, if it was a belief system that just came out and had nothing to do with identity groups or anything, and it just said, hey, logic is bad. Let's not use logic, right? Or (laughs) (laughs) math is bad. Let's not use math. But what they do is they've already gotten you to accept that, um, you know, men are are privileged and they're the oppressor group and white people are privileged and they're an oppressor group. Mm And so if they can, and straight people are privileged there and if they can tie these things and say, well, Hey, logic is a tool of the straight white male world, then, then it's easier for them to get you to, uh, start to, to question logic itself. Uh, it's kind of crazy, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, I, I've definitely seen this, you know, happening. Um, have you lost a lot of friends, uh, because of your departure for, um, social justice or woke wokeism. Uh, i know just to kind of give you my i know that i lost man really good friends um you know just being in the christian world because we talked about on your show how this kind of is if infiltrating into the christian world and a lot of people are accepting this yeah. i've lost numerous good friends have you uh, experienced that as well
1: Yes, and mm-hmm. yeah, we did talk about that, and it's. Um, I did lose friends at the beginning when I first started, and occasionally now there's still some who crop up that uh, I haven't heard from in a while, and I wasn't aware they're still following me, and then they have a great unfriending <laughs> moment. <All right. laughs> but uh, but for the most most of those happened a couple a few years ago when I first started. Mm-hmm leaving the cult of belief and speaking against it and trying, trying to articulate what it is that I find very troubling about it. And, um, I did have a friend who, uh, one of my best friends came to Texas and, uh, while she was here, we had, we had lunch and we both kind of joked about it. It was, it was sort of, uh, it felt like it was, uh, uh, an intervention of sorts. Like she basically had been getting a lot of calls about me and emails about me, I guess, from mutual friends who knew that she and I were very close, and were asking her what's going on with Carrie and being very concerned for me. Um, and she told me at the time she said, "You know, humans are tribal," hmm. and and I agreed with her. I said, "I think I think it's in our nature to be a little tribal." Mm-hmm. And she told me that I was leaving the tribe, and but I wasn't just leaving the tribe. She said the tribe views you as attacking the tribe, mm. and um, you will not be able to come back if you do this. Like you won't be able to come back. And and uh, I said, well, I don't, I don't really think I want to come back. So <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that's right. unfortunate. But I'm not really. And and uh, the weird thing is that one thing I took from that conversation was that from her point of view and from the point of view of a lot of those mutual friends, they thought I had already joined another tribe. Like from their point of view, they were saying, right. uh, she was saying, well, it's you know, you've, you've already joined another tribe. But I said, no, I think I'm, i think I'm trying to be nomadic as best I can. And at that time I wasn't, I, w- I wasn't a Christian yet. Mm-hmm. So she, they couldn't have meant the Christian tribe, uh, I wasn't uh, spouting. I still did not like Trump. I wasn't talking about you know talking about him positively. So I don't. They couldn't have meant that. Right. And, it, and it really, I thought about it for a while afterwards, and I realized it's just basically anyone who's not in the social justice tribe is viewed as being in this. Uh, there's like two groups. Right. They basically see the world as two groups. It's like social justice or alt-right or nazi or whatever they want to call it you know uh, it's
0: like if you're not and so you're not for us you're against this you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that was really eye-opening and and yeah I lost um I lost a a lot of friends most of them I would say were at the acquaintance level Mm -hmm. uh, people I had worked with in entertainment Mm -hmm. and uh in, in the comedy world and um you know, so one of them, one of the ones that was a closer friend who I lost, who, it, not in a not in a positive way at all. She um, she uh, basically unfriended me on Twitter publicly. She's a feminist media critic. She's wow. a journalist, and she uh, did a tweet about me and how it was sad that I was her former feminist friend, now turned red pilled troll, <laughs>
0: troll
1: right troll, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so. And she sent some, she sent some male allies my way to pile up on, (laughs) it's so so weird, they have these, like, that's what they use allies for, almost, is
0: uh,
1: do their bidding, you know, to pile on stuff. (laughs) Um, What about you, have you lost any, like, close friends?
0: Yeah, so, yeah, when I um, first became a Christian, it's kind of funny that, you know, you know that kind of transition for you you know you started to become a Christian when I first became a Christian, the guy who started really teaching me the bible um he kind of got into this stuff, and you know I remember we we went out to we we kind of had an intervention one night where we met up and you know we're, we kind of was like I was like, yo, what's going on man you're you're kind of accepting some of these things that I'm not seeing as biblical and um started he started kind of Um, reading a little James Cone and um, which is the father of black liberation theology for those who don't know um, you know, James Cone didn't believe that um, the Bible was inspired by God, that Jesus is God, um, a lot of unorthodox Christian things and I started noticing this guy was kind of being influenced in that thought and we kind of parted ways and that was about two years ago we haven't really spoken since and so that was hard because he was in my life for about seven, eight years, you know, um, and we would talk weekly, um, you know, and, and so things yeah. like that—it's it, it, hard, you know, because no, yeah. no one wants to leave these leave uh, these deep friendships we have, and so for me that was definitely hard.
1: Yeah, I would I would say the friend who came out to and and had the talk with me—the the talk that I, I joked about being an intervention. Um, Um, we haven't talked in a couple years either. And we never had an unfriending moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, we never had a moment where we walked away from each other. Mm -hmm. We just stopped talking and I, I'm still there. I love her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I hope, I hope we're able to pick back up again one day, but, but it was, you know, that conversation was kind of P- pivotal I think in-, in terms of where she saw me heading right. and it was interesting because you know she was in town and she was still working on I knew her from entertainment and um I worked on a lot of social justice projects when I was in entertainment so I worked with comedians and I sold um comedy projects I one of the projects I sold was a, a television show called totally biased with W Kamel Bell on on FX which is a thoroughly social justice kind of comedy show. And, um, I did not everything that I did was, was completely saturated with social justice, but a lot of it was, and we kind of worked in the same sphere in that we were both into this ideology and in entertainment. And, um, so anyway, the last time I saw her, she was doing a documentary, um, about a transgender child in Texas and, uh, and, and so even just even that my opinion had started changing a little bit about about uh, the transgender activist part right. of social justice right. and and the the way that the the transgender act and I say transgender activist part part sorry part because it, they don't speak for all transgender people mm-hmm. much much like this ideology this ideology pretends to speak for black people right. it pretends to speak for women Mm -hmm. it it pretends to speak for trans people but I know trans people who are not woke and who continue who are trying to say please stop talking you know for me right um but the transgender activist part of this um of this ideology uh, you know I had started to depart from it in that I don't believe that it's wise to give children puberty blockers or uh hormone treatment and um and, and I have other thoughts about, about kids transitioning that, you know, uh, would probably be, well, are diametrically opposed to what they used to be and to what her opinions are. So, yeah, we haven't really, I don't know. Yeah. We haven't really talked in a while. No, I understand. <laughs> but
0: I love her. Right, right, right. So so why do you think, like, that people are so, like, accepting to, like, social justice, argumentation, um, kind of movement, especially – From what I've seen, especially young people, and even then, like young, like white people are like extremely attracted to this movement for some reason. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, I I do. Uh, White women in particular. (laughs) Uh, White women seem to make up just anecdotally seem to make up most of the social justice groups I'm in. I'm still in a lot of online social justice groups on, on Facebook and uh, just to see like what they're talking about and how the terminology evolves and how the, co- the concepts because it's always evolving.
0: Right. They're
1: always coming up with new terms and phrases. They're, they're very obsessed with language and controlling language. And so I'm um, anyway, I'm in a lot of these groups and it's predominantly white women who uh, preach this very ardently? There, there, there's people of all all right. um, identities, but as they would say, but but a lot of white women. I think part of it is because it is an ideology of the the upper class mm. in a way. Mm. It's kind of an elite system. It's a it's a luxury belief system, mm. and so. Most of the people, I mean, look at its roots. where Where did it come from? Right. I was indoctrinated into this at Duke University, which is an elite university. It, it, the people who learned it decades ago, and there were people lo- learning it before me. you know, it's it's not it's it's older than twenty years. Um, it came from academia. It came right. from these very elite institutions. And now we've reached a point in culture where it's filtered down to the mainstream Mm -hmm. where it's like all of these people who were uh, very privileged. You look at the people who were able to go to these schools and be indoctrinated into this belief system, you know, it's a privilege to go to, to, to uh, a place like Yale, which is thoroughly immersed or a place like Harvard. And then they go out into the world. And like I did, they get jobs working in uh, entertainment, in the media uh, at, at, in big social companies. And they, they have, they may not be the majority of Americans, but they have a big voice mm-hmm. and they have a lot of power right. in terms of, of what they're doing with their, their lives in terms of careers. And they're taught at university. They're not taught how to think they're taught to become activists. Mm-hmm. They're taught what to think, mm-hmm. and they're sent out to the world to push this belief system. And so now what have they done? Well, now They've brought it into, I brought it into comedy. Um, other people were trying to bring it into comedy too, but I was one of the people trying to bring it into comedy, into entertainment. There are people bringing it into the newsrooms. There are people bringing it into Google. There are people who have brought it into our elementary schools right. and, and into our churches. And now you, you've you got kindergartners who are learning about critical race yeah. theory, the kind of stuff that used to just be at these really elite institutions. Now in your public schools, your kids are learning yeah. it now.
0: I saw a com- So I'm saw- getting a little off No, yeah, I had saw a commercial where it was like a uh you know the Barbie dolls or or it, it wasn't even a commercial. I think it was like some kind of YouTube ad where Barbie was talking to some black Barbie. And oh, I saw they it. were talking about racism and it's like, <laughs> cl- you know, clearly they're, ta- you know, trying to, you know, direct that to kids. And, you know, um, yeah. I, I think I had flipped by like Nickelodeon one time or some or maybe I was watching ESPN or something. And this commercial with kids talking about, you know, we need to stop racism. Like, as I, I don't know. To, to me, I was like, you guys have no idea what you're even talking about, you know. And but like you said, it's being pointed and directed to the to children, you know
1: it's in well the corporations that's a good point is it's now being preached by by all of our corporations our yeah. major corporations yeah, and and that because it's reached that level now i think it's kind of incredible that they still try and keep a straight face and tell us that this is about um being against the system right. that they're somehow they're somehow uh the resistance and and that this belief system is pushing back against the status quo I'm like the status quo <laughs> you guys are being mcdonald's is tweeting your ideology right, right. <laughs> the
0: nba you know you are
1: yeah the nba is tweeting your ideology you're thoroughly thoroughly <laughs> part of the system Um, now, but yeah, so, but to get back to your point, I think it, I think, um, I think it's a a luxury belief system. That's where it started. And so I think you see, um, a lot of upper to middle class, uh, people who, who are preaching it. Mm -hmm. And part of that probably comes from some kind of, for some people, some kind of guilt maybe at the class privilege that they have. Um, you know, Peggy McIntosh, the, the white woman who coined the phrase white privilege, Mm -hmm back in the eighties, if you look into Peggy McIntosh's story, if you look at her biography and there was a great piece on her in Colette, it was called unpacking Peggy McIntosh's knapsack because her, her first essay about white privilege was called unpacking the invisible knapsack, but Peggy McIntosh was loaded. She was one of the 1%, you know, and lived a very unusual life for any American Uh, And I imagine that uh, much like Marx, you know, who who lived a very comfortable life, that maybe some some people have a a bit of guilt about that. And then it becomes easier to look around and say, well, I share this with every one of my race. Right. We all have this (laughs) immense privilege. Right. Like uh, I think some of what we're talking about is just uh, your particular case.
0: (laughs) But
1: (laughs) but. um. But I think that that appeals to to people maybe who have some some kind of of class guilt or something. But I think it also appeals to women more than men Mm -hmm. because women are, if you look at the big five personality tests, women on average, there's always outliers, there's always people who don't fit the average. But on average, women are higher in agreeableness than men Mm -hmm. and higher in neuroticism than men. And I think, I think being higher in agreeableness makes you uh, more susceptible to something like this because this belief system is, is about uh, you know, defending the underdog and not offending anyone and taking care of people's feelings. And uh, there's something about women too, I think that's just, uh, it has to do with their innate kind of uh, biological drive to take care of kids. I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about this before that maybe there's something there where women are sort of transferring this, this biological drive to protect their young onto marginalized, these sort of vague terms of marginalized people. I want to protect, I'm going to go preach this because I care about protecting all the oppressed people. Right. right? Yeah.
0: Did you, did you see the video? It it recently kind of came, went viral a few days ago about the uh, mom having her kids, uh, like bow down and they were like, like worshiping, like, and they were saying all oh, hell, like the black woman, like, it was like, they were like five hey. year old, you know, they they couldn't have been older than like eight, you know, the oldest one. And so I don't know, just what you reminded me just about kids. And I'm, and I'm thinking about like social justice, it being a religion, you know, um, mm-hmm. like, what do, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think a lot of people have made that comparison, mm-hmm. And for good reason, because it's really obvious. I mean, I'm sure you've you've thought about this too. And one of the things I think they've borrowed is they've borrowed the concept of original sin, Mm -hmm. but instead of calling it sin, they call it privilege. And. Another difference is that they don't believe everyone's born with the same amount of original sin or the same amount of privilege. So, so your amount of privilege depends on what race you are and what sex you are and you know on this whole idea of intersectionality. Um, but they borrowed the, the way in which privilege works in this belief system is a lot like sin. They're they confess it. Mm. They can they confess it publicly. Right. When they come, it's like when they have their um some of these celebrities who have their like public come to social Jesus moment where there's social justice Jesus, and they they will confess <laughs> their white privilege on, on Twitter. They'll go online, yes. you know, and it's like this this uh, this weird kind of uh, religious sort of thing that they're engaging in. Right. The thing is, they ne- they never stop confessing it, yeah. in a way.
0: Well, um, you know, because they can't, you know, because in, in that social justice ideology, you know, you will never stop being a racist, you know. Um, you'll always... Yes. Like once a racist, always a racist, you know, it's that kind of, that same mantra, that yeah. same kind of, you know, concept is that you, you'll never stop being a racist. What you can do is, is you brought this up, just be an ally, you know, do the work of social justice, that kind of language, you know, but, there's, it, you know, to me, that's one of the saddest parts is like, I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I talked about this, like, man, when I was on your show, like, man, if I was white, people would hate me because... I I wouldn't I would not care like if people thought I was racist like I know I'm not racist you know, um so, you know, to me I, I could I can't imagine what would bring someone who's white to, to this idea that says yeah you're always a racist you know even if you're not like I man I struggle with that you know
1: yeah I think it's that they well. We may have talked about this on our show, so if I'm repeating myself, I apologize, no, but ahead. this is one of the things I've been thinking of lately. Uh, Robin DeAngelo, who pushes this, and mm-hmm. she has a book called White Fragility, yep. which is really popular right now, um, she, in that book, confesses to being a racist, yep. and and not just in the way that they do in this belief system where they say you're born with this inherent bias, implicit bias she confesses uh, and tells a story about how she was going to a picnic and she looked at the two groups of people and she started to panic inside because she didn't want to have to sit with black people. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, lady, like that's, that is very racist of you. Uh, But what did she do with that belief instead of working on it or figuring out why she had this bias? She is attracted to this belief system and then becomes one of the high priestesses in this (laughs) system that right. tells you that it's almost comforting in a way because it tells her or anyone like any white person like her who does have racist ideas or opinions or beliefs or prejudices it tells them hey it's okay all white people right. have these you're born with these right. and it sort of spreads the guilt around so you're, you're it's less like a, res- a personal responsibility mm-hmm. thing it's like it's not my fault. We're all born this way, and this right. is the way I uh, try and combat it: is by talking about it. And and then and then what does that do in this belief system? That makes her one of the good white people right. because now she's been, she's confessed this <laughs> thing that supposedly all white people have. Right. Um, and, and then and then she gets to go and sell books and make a lot of money off yes. of her own racism. It's kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> racism sells, you know what but,
1: I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I think it's appealing to people who have that. Just one more anecdote like that that it makes me think of is, uh, is it's just like when Morgan Spurlock had his Me Too moment. Mm. You know, the director, he did a, a Me Too moment where he online wrote a blog and he confessed to having like a whole history of, of, of inappropriate interactions with women, some of them sexual, mm. in his career. And instead of just apologizing for what he did, at the end of it, he did what the social justice people do. He tried to spread the guilt around. He wow. he start, he suddenly stopped talking about himself and he started talking about we men. Yeah, do this, then this, then that, and it was like, wait a minute, seems like you're trying to let yourself off the hook a yes. little bit. Like, yes. a little weird, right? Like, I've
0: I've seen you know you know we talked about like this kind of coming into Christianity. I've seen kind of when pastors kind of have that you know. Um, that woke moment, moment, you know, that social justice moment, you know, they'll just preach a sermon and they'll, they'll repent for all their racism, but it's not the racism that, you know, you and I would see as disgusting, it's this, this faux racism, this pseudo, pseudo racism, and one of the things I've seen, maybe, maybe you can attest to it as well, because just bringing up the Robin DiAngelo's, uh, you know, example, that this this real racism like the one with you know her not wanting to sit with black people, which is racist, you know, that's yes. actually minimized and the faux racism is kind of the greater offense. Have you have you yes. seen that? <laughs> oh my gosh,
1: Chris, that's an excellent point. Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. So then she doesn't have to deal with that very pers- that personal nope. the responsibilities on her for having that messed up yeah. prejudice uh thing inside of her. Then it becomes Oh, but there's this greater kind of faux racism right. I'm going to address. Right. And yeah. And, and then by the way, there's no solutions in this belief no, system because no. what they do is they tell all these white women who presumably do have racist beliefs, um, they tell them that to fix to fix their racism, they need to judge and treat people differently on the basis of race. They tell them it's impossible, mm to be colorblind in the way that you see and, and treat people. Mm. They purposefully conflate the two different meanings of color. Like there's colorblind as in I literally cannot distinguish between colors. Right. <laughs> they conflate that. They say, well, no, we're not colorblind. We can see what race we each are. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But colorblind also means, and James Lindsay points this out a lot, colorblind also means um, in the way that you behave towards right. people, in the way that you judge people, prejudge people. And in the way that you treat people, you you can choose to be color, you, you can be colorblind there, but they try to say, well, because you're, we can't, we're not colorblind, meaning that we, we do see color. Therefore we can't treat, we can't, uh, stop ourselves from treating people differently on the basis of race. So they say the solution is just to go ahead and treat everybody differently on the basis of race. But to invert things and uh, the way that they're telling us that we should uh, that we should behave in a racist way to to treat people differently on the basis of race is somehow better, that this is somehow going to fix things. But it doesn't like there's there's an example I've given before. If people have heard me talk before, they've heard this example. But I think it's just so symbolic of how how uh, twisted this ideology is and, and how it harms They like to use that word harm, but it harms the ability of people to actually make friends and make connections uh, um, uh, with people of of a different race in one of these social justice groups I'm in, which is mostly white women. There are white women in there who come and they're like, I, I saw one. She's like, I just, I don't know how to make friends with a black woman. (laughs) I've been, I've been trying and I just can't seem to make any uh, friends of women of color. And, you know what's some advice? And she's asking other white SJW women, and then and then she told it an example. She said this woman just moved to my town, a black woman, and I uh, I was trying to think of opening questions or topics that I could talk about with her, but I could I can't ask her where she's from because that's a racist microaggression, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, do you even hear yourself? Definitely. Like you are you're not looking at her as a human being, you're looking at her. As a black woman, right. and and then and then and then you're treating her differently, and you were actively stopping yourself from from behaving towards her the way that you were towards a white woman. You're stopping yourself from asking her where she's from. Uh, you would ask a white woman that. Right. Why can't you ask her? <laughs> maybe maybe that's an important question. You both find out you're you've got relatives in the same place, right. and you you know like what is wrong with you? And, <laughs> and no wonder I, I kind of want to shake these women sometimes because I'm like no wonder you haven't made any friends. Right. Uh, well women of color because the, they could probably smell the desperation coming off of you like the stench of <laughs>
0: like,
1: hello black woman right, right. <laughs> want to be your friend
0: right it's like we being a creep maybe that's the first part you know like, <laughs> like just yeah. be yourself and like if she likes you great if she doesn't okay move it on great, you know great. like it is what it is you know i can't imagine just like you know, we're we're just talking about how this ideology permeates even basic like conversations with people. But I can't imagine just waking up every day and just thinking about racism, like, like, you know, you know, from the black perspective, like, oh yeah, it's a white man, he's racist, and you know, from the white person's perspective, I'm such a racist. Like, you know, I think I've seen you uh, talk about this, but you know, the s the social justice movement, like, it's a movement that produces bitterness. Angerness and like resentfulness, you know. And I'm thinking like, why would a Christian want to be a part of that movement when the Bible clearly talks about the Christian like, you know, should be producing joy? Like, what do, what do you think about that?
1: Uh that's a that's a good question. And I I I guess I I probably need to think about that one more yeah. because I was I was really surprised when I became a Christian to find social justice in the church. Wow. I guess I was a bit naive in terms of how far it had spread. Yeah. And when I started to see it in you know infiltrating some of, of the churches and hearing some of my old <laughs> cult of belief infecting you in like I would say infecting churches yeah, uh, totally. it took me aback. And then I also met one of my, okay, so two of my friends who are former social justice warriors, both of whom were also in it for about two decades like me. so I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, One of them is uh, a woman named uh, Gracie West. She's an author and she has, uh, she's online at at embarrassing mom. If anybody wants to find her, she was a social justice warrior for about 20 years also in the Christian church. Mm. And, and so was uh, Monique Dusson, who you may know her from the center for biblical unity. So Monique was also in it for 20 years in the Christian church. Mm -hmm. She was social justice and having, Met these two women blew my mind because I was like, again, I just thought of it as this sort of secular thing because right. that's the part of social justice I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, why would a Christian get pulled into it? Well, I think that it, like I said, it borrows a lot from Christianity, right. and so it appeals to some of the some of the things that uh, Christians might be more likely to uh, pay attention to Mm -hmm. or be interested in, Mm -hmm. it sells itself as being about justice. It sells itself as being about ending bigotry and ending racism and ending sexism and ending oppression and, and, you know, uh, championing the the marginalized. And so I think some people who are attracted to Christianity and maybe find themselves uh, in a Christian church they might also be open to this belief system because of the way that it markets itself.
0: Yeah. No, I, um, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, oftentimes, yeah, just just what you're talking about, just hijacking even like biblical terms and categories, but redefining them. So like, you know, repentance doesn't mean... You know, repenting for personal sin that you yourself have done, but because you know you're in this lineage of white supremacy, you know America. You know we all know, right? White people are racist, so you're not re- Yeah, you might not have personally have done it, which takes kind of the uh, redefinition of sin as well away from it. But you know, uh, your, your your forefathers, you know, had slaves or something like that, or they were mm-hmm. in this system, you know that which benefited whites over blacks, and so. To me, it's I, I hate to see, like, these redefinition of terms, you know, for, especially, you know, as a Christian, from the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's one yeah. of the really major concerns I see, you know.
1: Yeah, it. it I think it is, uh, I think it's diametrically opposed to the gospel. Oh, yeah. And one of the first people I saw writing about this who I really was inspired by was um, our mutual friend Samuel Safe. Yes. That's how I first yeah. uh, discovered yeah. you was he talked to you and I saw he did a great essay about social justice in the gospel, which really caught my attention because uh, I was I was freshly out of the social justice world and I had become a Christian recently and had just started you know, had my eyes open to the fact that it was in the Christian church too. Um, and so reading him was a lifesaver because I felt, I felt with all of my being, like, this is not what Jesus is about. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not about uh, collectivism and assuming the guilt of of other people and, and finding your salvation through repentance for things that you haven't done. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus isn't about judging you on the basis of, your skin color or your sex or your sexual like Jesus doesn't look at you and say uh okay you know Chris you're black uh so I'm going to give you some marginalized points but you're also a man so I'm going to give you some privilege points and I'm going to need you to uh confess your male privilege and to use your your male privilege to be an ally to women and to like none of this stuff is is stuff was concerned about yes um and and it it I, I think it just kind of i don't know i think it pollutes the way mm. i think it pollutes the 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 truth yes um i don't know if i'm being very articulate no, tonight, but
0: no I, I i totally get where you're where you're coming from for me you know i and it's like in the name of equality you know these guys create so much inequality you know uh For example, I saw Joe Biden tweet out, you know, we're going to we're going to have our efforts for uh, black and brown um, Asian. And it was like all these minorities and, you know, white people were missed in that, you know. So so it's like in the name of equality, we're only going to favor these people. It's like, how is that equality? How can you call that justice when it's not a um, when it doesn't take an account to all people, you know, because justice does not create inequality. You know, um, and so to me, I see a lot of that going on. You know, we're talking about in the church. Um, I I saw this uh, famous uh, pastor one time say, you know, in regards to like, like, let's say he was it was in the context of him, like looking for a pastor. He said he would rather a black six, you know, one who's more as qualified. He rather a black six than a white seven. And so I'm like you would rather the less qualified person simply on the basis of his skin color. Yeah. And so guess yeah. what guess what that does? You have a person who's less qualified, who's who's not the better pastor. So now that creates problems in the church cuz you you know you would have the better pastor who maybe could handle some of those issues that the black person yeah. isn't handling. But because of your white guilt, you know, whatever, <laughs> you would you want simply on the basis of a skin color you know
1: was that was that a uh, a white preacher saying yes, that yes
0: it was a white oh, preacher yeah. saying it you know <laughs>
1: that makes sense to me anyway uh <laughs> and, yeah that makes sense cuz see now he gets he gets to feel like he's uh one of the good ones yes
0: he's a he's an ally yeah. you know he's he's with us he gets it you know <laughs> that that's yeah, that he was it. that was the language that was used in a book pretty much that he gets it and you know one of the one of the th- Things that uh, I find so just kind of, it's saddening. Um, You know, someone like me, Samuel Say, um, name any black conservative who says, hey, this, no, this thinking should not be tolerated. Um, The common language is, well, see, you're not really black, you know. I mean, even Joe Biden said it, you know, like, hey, you don't vote for me, you ain't really black, you know. Yeah. You have so many people in the Christian church, you know, you know, uh, even, you know, secular, you have that as well, where if you do not think like me, you're not really black. Um, it was it was this week I heard that you may be my skin folk, but you're not my kin folk. You know, oh, gosh. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I laugh because it's like I could care less, you know, but yeah. it's, it's just funny that there are people who think black is an ideology, you know, not an eth- oh, yeah. not an ethnicity.
1: <laughs> oh, they've started, they've started explicitly saying that now. Right. They used to, they used to hide that, but now they're saying it. Oh. Now they're saying that it is a, a, a way that you, it's, 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 wow. Ideology. Wow. they have to have come up with a reason to explain why. See, this belief system says, it, it, it especially gets white people to believe who are in it, white people who are in social justice to believe that all black people have the same opinion.
0: <laughs> we're, we're all monolithic. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: Yes, and so they have to explain to all of these woke white people why there are black people who are not going along with the belief
0: system. <laughs> right. They have
1: to figure out how to how to explain it, and and they haven't found a really good way of doing that yet. This is why when you said if you were white, you feel like a lot of people, you think a lot of people would hate you because you wouldn't go along with the white guilt stuff. But I actually, I always thought it, uh, you you're probably more hated as a black yeah. person. Uh, who's not going along with it because, and and maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume it like someone looks at you and they say, Chris, you're not, you are, you, you're, your beliefs and the fact that you're willing to speak your beliefs and that they're a direct contradiction to what we are teaching people. Like y- you embarrass us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <the> traitor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. So they do,
1: they try and do something similar with women, but what they do with women is um, they pretend that. Well, first of all, they they completely erase uh, black women who don't agree with the belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, any, they pretend that all the all of the women who don't agree with it uh, that they're all white, and then they what they do is they say, well, uh, sometimes they'll say you have internalized misogyny and that's why you're not going along yeah. with it. But more often than not, what they do is they fall back on the, well, that's your white privilege thing. Right. Your white privilege outweighs, um, you know, you being an ally to your fellow, you know, feminists, right. your, your fellow sisters. Right. That you want to hold on to your white privilege, and that's more important to you than gender equality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's weird. It always, always, always comes back to identity. I'll, sometimes I'll post in some of these social justice groups I'm in um, – but some of the some of the ones I'm in, I'm stay I stay quiet just because I want to stay in there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get kicked out mm-hmm. and I want to see what people are talking about. But occasionally I'll speak up and I'll say something. And I did that recently. and you you can guess what the responses were mm-hmm. without even having been in there. the like the first two or three responses were all about my race and my sexuality, because those are the two things they can look at me and say, uh, what they're looking at you immediately and they're looking at your race and your sex and your sexuality and all. And they're trying to figure out what oppressor groups are you in? <laughs> so I'm going to say that your opinion is because of whatever oppressor groups you're in. Yeah. Right. And so they, immediately, and it's just a, it's, it's kind of crazy that you can be in this belief system and not, not see that, yeah. not see how racist and sexist your belief system so is, true. but they, they've conveniently changed the definitions of racism and sexism. So you have all these people who are like, Oh, well, I guess it's not, racist to, uh, attack her for her race yeah, <laughs> immediately has <right. laughs> been changed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah.
0: I was, I was in, a, I was in a, a Christian faith, uh, Facebook group where, um, it was a, it was a pro-black group and they, they, they would, they would allow white people in, but they would pretty much tell them if you want to be a part of this group and not get kicked out, you have to be silent and like learn, like and not too many white people can comment on a particular post. It was like insane, you know, that there are people who are thinking like yeah. this. Um one 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 of the things, you know, just cuz I I'm, I'm an apologist, I like to do um, you know, presuppositional apologetics and things like that. I um I was having a conversation with someone about what happened at the uh the Capitol. Um and they were saying, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this uh, line of thinking, too, about that event. If it was all black people, they would have been shot up, you know. And so, um, heard that. you know, and so and I was saying, hey, no, here's why. Here's my here's my reason and why I don't think that's true. And, you know, they were disagreeing. And I. And so I just used their argument back to them. Well, I'm black. Why, why aren't you listening to my voice? You know, why? 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 Yeah. Why aren't you hearing me? You know, don't you think we should? Why, you know, you're just using your privilege, you know, and then, you know, it's funny. They didn't accept it when it came to that, they don't. you know, no, but, well <laughs>
1: you, you know, that, uh, it makes me think of that Bible verse about, uh, uh by your fruits, you shall know them. Mm-hmm. Because one thing about social justice warriors is they don't believe their own bull crap.
0: Right.
1: Oh, almost, no, almost no. said that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't believe their own crap.
0: Yes. You're um, right.
1: And you can tell that they don't believe it in a few simple ways one is the is the way that you just illustrated mm-hmm. by doing that they say we believe that white people should shut up and listen to black voices right. okay they say that but the second a black person says something that doesn't agree with SJW ideology, you see what they really believe Mm -hmm. because they do not shut up and they do not listen. And in fact, they will attack you and they'll attack your race and they'll be, they do not believe that, that truly that, that we need to shut up and listen to black people. What they believe is that we need to shut up and listen to social justice ideology. Mm -hmm. And, and they prefer, uh, that it's, they prefer, uh, if there's two people, one's white, one's black, they're both speaking social justice ideology, well, then they're going to say give more uh, weight to what the black person is right. saying. But, but, but they have to both be speaking social justice ideology for them to give more weight to the black person. If you've got a white person speaking social justice ideology and a black person who's not, they're not going to listen to the black person at all. Right. They're just listening to the white person. They are more than happy to tell the black person to shut up yeah. and listen to the white person because that white person is speaking social justice. So it's like they don't even believe their own words. They walk around. I'm sorry, I'm getting a bit animated. No, go but,
0: ahead. Uh, <laughs> They
1: walk... They walk around with these shirts and these signs that say silence equals violence, which is a lie. And, and by the way, it's a dangerous lie because what they're trying to do, uh, like I said before, they're very concerned with controlling language. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they're trying to do is to get us culturally to accept this idea that violence and speech are the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if we've done that, if we get to that point where we've accepted that words or silence, lack of words can be violent well, then they they feel like they can justify – at that point, they can justify actual vi- physical violence against you for having the wrong opinion or the wrong beliefs or the wrong words or the lack of words. They wow. can use violence, and they can say it's self-defense because you know words are violence, and wow. silence is violence, and I'm just using my violence back in self-defense. That's what they're trying to do with that. But they'll walk around with these signs and these shirts, and, and, and a lot of the people who have them, they've never thought any of this stuff out, and they'll have – I've had an argument with someone at a protest who, who had a, a big sign that said silence is violence. And when I tried to talk to her, she was basically like, shut up. Mm-hmm. You, it's your job to shut up as a white person, mm-hmm. you know, and listen to me. And it was like, so, but, but I thought, si- if you truly believe silence is violence, you wouldn't be telling me
0: to be silent. Right. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm, I'm like girl, it's like you don't even believe the thing is on your side right <laughs> like,
0: How, yeah it's so it's so it's so crazy because you know um I, I think we've seen it especially this week about you know and we've seen in the past just this canceling of conservative voices you know if you're black you're going to get canceled if you're white just shut up you don't even need to be talking um you know i mean we saw it with trump he got removed from like all any kind of like social media like i don't i don't even know if he has a spotify but they canceled the man anyway you know <laughs> like we don't even want you to have a playlist you know like <laughs> like what is up with that like man it's that's the thing like but, it, but that's why i'm so confident you know in in the truth of 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 the scriptures of of the gospel is because that's the only way you can silence us if you just, like, cancel... But even in that, you won't cancel God, you know? You, you can't cancel God, yeah. you know? But, you know, that's... I don't have to cancel the left because I know they have irrational thoughts, you know, irrational ideologies. Like, I want you to mm-hmm. speak because I want people to hear how crazy you yes. sound. You know what I mean? Like, and and, I, and I'm willing to combat with people who have these thoughts, you know, who 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 holds to these ideologies. But oftentimes... I'm sure you've seen it. I don't see the same level of maturity, uh, level of willingness and engagement from people who are on the left. Um, That's why it's like, man, people are losing followers. Uh, People are losing, like getting suspended. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, they don't, uh, well, this is another way in which it's like a cult. They don't actually allow for dissent. Mm. So they don't want to hear other voices. They don't they don't want to hear opposing opinions they just want you to accept and speak the ideology right. and so a lot of the the phrases and the terms that they come up with that they coin they're always coining new words again obsessed with language right. a lot of those phrases and words if you look at the way they use them they're simply using them as like i call them magic words like like batman dropping a smoke bomb <laughs> they will drop these they will drop these magic words to shut down conversation right. so if you say, well, I don't agree, I think this, and they'll be like, that's your male privilege, right. boom, oh. and they'll walk away.
0: <laughs> oh, no. In the like, conversation, right?
1: <laughs> or, uh, or they'll say, uh, "It's if you ask them to defend their opinion, like if they, if they speak a social justice tenet of belief, and you say, well, why do you believe that? Because I believe this, and here's why. Uh, can you explain why you believe that? And they'll say it's not my job to educate you. Right.
0: Boom. <laughs> Google it. You or lazy. They'll say,
1: Google it. Or they'll <laughs> say, uh, it's emotional late. You're asking me to do emotional labor. Boom. I don't have to, <laughs> but the, everything is a roadblock to prevent discussion. They'll even have, I don't know if you've heard this one. We did an SJW bingo card and we put a bunch of their magic words on it. And one of their magic words is sea lion. Have you heard that one?
0: No, I've not heard that one.
1: Okay. You've got to look oh, up sea boy. lion. Oh Um, uh, a sea lion is, it's sort of like a troll, but it's a little different. A sea lion is what they'll call you if you ask sincere questions. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, if you, like, if you're sincerely like, okay, like, I'd like to have a conversation about this. And and here's why I think this. What do you think about this? And they'll say, oh, what a sea lion. Oh, I've got a sea lion here. Oh, and then wow. they'll leave. Oh. <laughs> well,
0: so, that's crazy.
1: It, yeah they they also use gaslighting yes. is uh they misuse that term that term it actually you know it comes from psychology it originally came based on that that movie that old movie gaslight but it which was about a husband who was trying to make his wife think she was crazy hmm. and and in psychology they they use gaslighting to mean you know someone who's trying to get you to think uh that that what's happening is not actually happening that that the, that you're going crazy someone who who tries to make you uh, question your own sanity mm. well they misuse that term all the time if if you disagree with them they'll say stop gaslighting me it's like i'm, I'm not ga- i'm this is called disagree this is what
0: disagree <laughs> is. <laughs> no like, so true yeah.
1: anyway i'm going on a tangent, no no but, it's good but, but you had a great point it's like it they don't want they don't want conversation and that's why i get so excited when i meet another liberal because i do meet liberals and progressives by the way who are not social justice. I, there's some of them out there. There's still some of them yes, out there. They are. And whenever I meet someone on the left who's not woke, it's so refreshing. Yes, yes. It's like we can actually have a conversation and we can agree on some things and disagree on some things and um, and, and that's so exciting cuz then 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 conversation has a point. Right. You're actually arriving somewhere maybe like maybe you change your beliefs a little bit or they change theirs or maybe you strengthen your beliefs and they strengthen theirs or maybe you discard some beliefs or they discard some but you're actually something is happening in the conversation you're you're understanding them better they're understanding you better that's that's beautiful you can't do that with someone who's in a cult right right all their words are used to stop that stop any kind of back and forth
0: right no, that's so true. Uh kinda reminds me of like if you've ever had a conversation with a Mormon, which I, I believe is a cult, they uh <laughs> they'll you know, you'll just go through the line about how Mormonism is false and they'll they'll end the conversation with something like, You've really strengthened my faith in the you know, prophet of Joseph Smith or something like that, like like how how are you more strengthened when, you know, you just got dismantled, <laughs> you know, so I I totally agree with this you know, for them it's supposed to be these buzzwords for them that like that I don't know ends the conversation or or something like that or, but uh, some there's some uh, interesting Twitter questions. If you have the time, I'd definitely like to oh, yeah. get into. uh um, yeah. Someone asked, "How did you perceive Christians when you were in the social justice movement?"
1: Uh, well, I was specifically in a secular part of the social justice movement, as I mentioned. Yeah. So there are definitely, and as as I mentioned, I have some friends who who were. Christians while also being speaking preaching social justice and so they would have a different answer than me. Mm-hmm. Um but my because I was in the secular part of the social justice world I looked down my nose at Christians mm-hmm. so I thought I mean this is shameful but mm-hmm. um whatever all the truth right. I thought uh it, it you know it was a sign of lower intelligence to have a belief uh in a specific god and to have a belief in the Bible and in and the stories of the Bible, and I believed the Bible was not scientifically accurate, and therefore could not be uh, could not have any truth, could not be truth or God's truth, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believed I was I probably I believed I was smarter than most religious people. I was very arrogant. Um, my aunt, in particular. Was she's a Southern Baptist and and I've said this uh, I've talked about her a little bit recently, yeah. so bear with me. But she she's a bit of a, a judgmental kind of Southern Baptist. But she would write write me these very nakedly judgmental letters where she would talk about how I was going to go to hell, you know. But she was but she was very concerned with my soul. I didn't get that at the time right. that her her belief was very sincere, even if she wasn't expressing it in the best way, and. I would write her letters back because I, in college, I was learning all this stuff, and I would write letters back about how she was part of um, a white supremacist, uh, you know, culture, and that everything she was part of everything that's wrong in the world, and um, she's so backwards and like Neanderthalish, and and so I definitely had this very judgmental attitude towards uh, towards Christianity, mm. and um, you know, it's weird because. The church I go to now I go to a really great church if, if you're ever in the Austin area I would suggest this church it's in Georgetown Texas it's called the Church on the square and my preacher Bradley Helgerson we got to do an interview with him he's he's brilliant mm-hmm. and and actually since I've become a Christian I've met some of the most intelligent people I've ever met mm-hmm. in Christianity yes. Yes. <laughs> and I was so wrong I've been humbled. Many times, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but 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 one of the things he talks about, I've heard him talk about, is defeater beliefs that people have mm-hmm. that keep them from from being open, open minded towards the idea of God or or towards um, the possibility of there being a God or a creator. And he says it's almost like like imagine if you lived in a culture where most people had not yet heard of Christ or heard of the Bible. So you you're not you haven't heard of it before. So the first time you're hearing about it, you're probably you might be more open-minded than you would be in a culture like ours where most people have heard of it and and even rejected it in some cases. So in a way they've been inoculated against it. He's like in a way when we when you go out and you try to talk about uh your belief now, your Christian belief or talk about God, Um, you're going to be encountering a lot of people who have these defeater beliefs. They've already been preconditioned in a way where they don't, they they're not going to be an open mind towards what you're saying. And I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't really um, thought about that before, but that's definitely where I was at. I had been inoculated against it. I'd put it that way. And um, God really like, Oh my goodness. Like there's a verse in the Bible that really speaks to me. It's in there a couple of times where God says, I will put my hook in your nose mm. and my bit in your mouth and I will steer you back onto the path. Mm. And that is what happened to me. Amen. Some people do not find God <laughs> until he puts that bit in their mouth and the hook in their nose. And it's like a, a rock bottom moment, but like you could compare it to right. uh, a, an addiction where you get, where you finally are willing to change. It was like that God, like it was a rocky path for me and yeah. it had, to, I was so stubborn. I would never have come to God if, if I hadn't been like the prodigal son who spent all but my fortune and was penniless and eating pig food. And like, that was like, <laughs> you know? hey, right. hey, There's something. I'm at the lowest place right. ever. And then you up and this sounds so cheesy, but it's like, uh, you know, I had to get to the darkest place personally mm. before I could see the light and no. that's
0: so so true. That's, you know, that's what the Bible says, you know? And so, man, I'm always encouraged when, you know, I see people that are Christians and you know, they're, they're holding it down. And so I'm definitely encouraged like by, by you seeing, seeing the things you post and, um, man, to me, excites me. I, I, I love Christians. And so to see them, um, pressing on in the faith in in hard times, to me, to me, that's encouraging, you know, Um, we we need that, you know, especially in times like this, you know, and someone asked kind of a question like that, Um, as a new Christian, how does the gospel of peace apply for you in in times of violence or times that are hard?
1: Oh, oh, that's a difficult one, because I I struggle with anger,
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) Uh, not as I, I get it i get it
1: <laughs> not as much as i used to or maybe i'd say uh because i have god now i have something i didn't have before when i struggle with anger so it's different now mm-hmm. but i still will struggle with it and sure. i still will have i'll go through low moments where i feel not very like i'm not walking in step with god um where I will give in to anger. It's, it's not the way it used to be though. I used to, as a social justice warrior, it's like the anger is always right there just beneath the surface, like the the resentment. And, um, it's different now. It's more of like, uh, me trying to figure out the difference between righteous anger and sort of egotistical or selfish or resentful anger. Like what's the difference between those two things. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. And, um, Anyway, how what is the the this is a question about peace in a time of violence. Okay. Here's how I can best answer this. I do not believe, well first of all, I don't believe in violence as a means to a just ends mm-hmm. like social justice people do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the big reasons why I had to leave social justice is once I realized that they are okay with violence as a means. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in, in what Dr. Martin Luther King talked about. I believe in the non-aggression principle. I believe in violence only as Mm self-defense and not self-defense against words or ideas, which is what they push, but, you know, actual self-defense against someone who's, who's using violence against you. Um, and, and when it comes to, uh, conversations, um, what, what Jesus talks about, like loving your enemy, um, is really very hard. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I've started to realize that, uh, I think I was reading some C.S. Lewis, and he was talking about how it's really easy to love people that you like. Hey. And it's much harder to love people you don't like. And that was the first time I had ever really thought about how it's okay if I don't like someone um, and that it's still possible for me to try and work towards loving them, even without liking them. You're right. And I don't know if that makes sense. No, I But, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you reminded me of something that, uh, so, you know, you know my love for, for, for rap and, and Christian rap. You know, i uh, I reminded of uh, one of my favorite artists who says, um, if you think meek is weak, just try being meek for a week you know uh i think that is a a good line because <laughs> you know jesus is the ultimate epitome of you know who we need to be you know he's the perfect perfect man you know and it's hard you you man i, I often am blown away how how righteous jesus was when i when i reflect on me and i'm like how could he not sin once <laughs> you know what i mean like in word yeah. in thought in deed like man it's it's truly oh, a yeah. you know um just like Behold the beauty of Jesus, you know, when you're about to sin, you know, and Lord willing, He'll keep you from sin, you know, and so, um, yeah, it's just amazing thought, you know.
1: <laughs> it is, and and uh, this is this is one of those things where a lot of times I'm able to I'm able to talk to people who are not Christian pretty easily about most things, even about some things about God and right. and Carter, who's an atheist on our on my show uh, on Unsafe Space. You know, we talk about we sh- we have so much in common. And we can talk about a lot. And he also hu- humors me, or is is tolerant and kind when I talk about God. He doesn't mock me or make me feel right. um, like like he's looking down on me or anything. Um, but then there are other conversations that I can only have with someone like you, right. with a believer, right. where I just think anybody li- anybody listening who's not a Christian is just not going to get it, right. or they're going to misinterpret. They're going to misinterpret what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think what what it is you're talking about there about uh try being meek for a week that's one of those things that i think a lot of people just maybe they they won't understand what you mean by that or they'll hear some kind of self-righteousness in it when there's
0: no self-righteousness in it at all
1: i'm saying i can't do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's why i need jesus because i recognize i'm not naturally meek i'm 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 weak you know (laughs) and I'm, i'm i'm in need of his strength I know we've been talking for a while, and so I want to thank you for, for coming on and, and chatting with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. And so, guys, thank you for, for listening. And until the next time, grace and peace.